this moment we have to meet together and to even though we're online god i i just count it such a special thing that we can sit together uh especially like even here in our our little studio living room uh style that we're doing tonight god and we just want to make this special and intimate for you god we want to bless you that we're going to open your word and we want to lord study we want to hear from you god we want to look at God, what what it was that you went through, Lord, when you died on the cross. And Lord, I pray that you would just speak to us and your Holy Spirit would just be here right now. And God, give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying, Lord. And I pray that you would be clear and that you would truly, God, that we would feel your presence. So we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the last dying words say much about what a person is about for example napoleon right napoleon he that that great uh conqueror and ruler in france his last words were this josephine so you know what he was thinking about the circus owner pt barnum said what were today's receipts you know what he was really about but we see there's a difference in the last words of believers in jesus christ for example, the evangelist in the late 1800s, D.L. Moody, when he was right there about to uh, go to the Lord, he said, Can this be death? Why, why it is better than living. Earth is receding. Heaven is opening. This is my coronation day. It is glorious. Or Mother Teresa, you know what her last words were? Jesus, I love you. I like I do like what we find in Acts chapter 7, verse 56. It's the very end there. It's when Stephen, the first Christian to be martyred, was, was being stoned. And you know what his last words were? It is this. Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Beautiful, isn't that? Well, these last words say much about the person. Tonight, for our Good Friday service, we will look into the last words of Jesus Christ before he died on the cross. And so the title of my uh, Good Friday message tonight is this, Seven Sayings from the Cross. Seven Sayings from the Cross. Now, again, as I mentioned, we're going to be covering some different scriptures as we go through all seven sayings that Jesus said, his statements from the cross, his last seven statements before he died. And we're going to be covering John. We're going to be in John 23, John, I mean, Luke 23, John 19 and Mark 15. So the seven sayings from the cross are this. And this is our outline. Number one, words of forgiveness. Number two, words of assurance. Number three, words of compassion. Number four, words of abandonment. Number five, words of suffering. Number six, words of accomplishment. And number seven, words of confidence. So I'm going to give those to you. They'll be up on your screen as we go, so you don't have to go crazy trying to remember what it is. But let's begin with number one here. In the seven sayings from the cross, number one, words of forgiveness words of forgiveness take a look here now luke chapter 23 now we're going to look at two verses verse 33 and 34 but first of all take a look at verse 33 verse 33 it says it says here and when they 
came to the place that is called the skull. There they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. So we'll stop right there. Now we begin with how Jesus was crucified at the place called the skull. Now the Romans actually called this place Calvary. And some of your New King James versions will have that there. But it literally means the skull. That's why the ESV puts that in there. It's it, it it's actually a place, uh, this cliff actually looks like a skull. When we went to Israel, it looks like that. It looks like a skull with, with two caves and for like the eyes and another cave with the nose. But here it's called Calvary, the skull, or even Aramaic, it's called Golgotha. You might have heard of that. So that is the place where Jesus was cru- crucified along with two other condemned criminals or thieves, as we know of it traditionally. They were crucified one on his right and one on his left. So you picture that, right? I mean, the the classic picture of the hill and the three crosses and one cross in the middle is a little higher because that's the cross where Jesus was crucified on and it represents that. So it's Friday and Jesus is hung upon the cross. Now understand something before we go on. At this point, Jesus has not slept all night. After he had the Last Supper uh, dinner and had, had communion for the first time with the disciples, they went into the Garden of Gethsemane and he went to prayer. He asked the disciples to pray. They fell asleep and that whole scenario happened. But while he was there, then they came for him to arrest him. So he was arrested unjustly and then he was brought into this illegal trial put on by the Jewish religious leaders. And it was illegal because even according to their law, they would never try a person at night in that manner. Well, so he never got any sleep. Then early in the morning, he was condemned, basically. And and just giving you a little summary here. He was condemned. Remember, he went before Pilate, the governor, sort of like a hearing to see what's going on. But he ended up being condemned by him, uh, condemned to die on the cross, sent to the Roman soldiers where he was scourged brutally and beaten and all. And then he was led through the streets of Jerusalem, the Via Della Rosa, right, the the, the way of sorrow, which that means, which we know. So now as we come into this passage, it's 9 o'clock a.m. He hasn't eaten all this time. He hasn't slept all, all this night. He's lost a lot of blood. He's been through a lot of trauma. His body's already going into shock. And so now it's 9 a.m. Jesus is put upon the cross after it's been ripped open and he's been scourged and all of that. And then he's nailed to the cross. And you guys know about that, how a nail went through his, they say his hands, but it's actually most likely through his wrist. The Romans did that because if it was through his hands here, the nails would just rip through and he'd fall off and the criminals that were crucified would fall off. So usually it's right here between the two bones there. On both sides, the nails went through. And imagine the nail going through that carpal tunnel nerve. You know, some of you, who guys who who struggle with the carpal tunnel, you know, uh, with your wrists and stuff. Imagine a nail going through that. And then they would put one foot down uh, on the beam, uh, on the upright beam, and another foot on top, and then put a nail through both feet. So that's how Jesus was nailed to the cross, and the cross was then propped up. Now, any uh, a person who's been crucified and put upon a cross, they're basically like hanging on those nails and and the way they designed it is that the only way to breathe is to push up 
with your feet on the nail that that the nail is you know gone through your feet to push up to just get a breath and then it takes all your strength and then you got to slump back down and hang there and so it was a uh, brutal way to die and it was meant for a person to suffer for days on end that that was the whole design of this uh, a Dr. Truman Davis, he says, hanging by his arms, the pectoral muscles are paralyzed, like they're cramping up. Jesus fights to raise himself in order to get even one short breath. And then the doctor says, it's hours of limitless pain. So I'm just telling you this because when we read the word crucified here in verse 33, it's a huge word. There, it, there's a lot going on in that word. And there's a lot going on with Jesus, even for him to breathe and even for him to speak. So you can imagine in these seven sayings from the cross, these statements that Jesus makes, it takes all of his effort and it is very painful for him to say so with that in 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 the background with all that going on then jesus speaks his first statement from the cross now take a look at verse 34 it says and jesus jesus said father forgive them for they know not what they do and they cast lots to divide his garments so at this point the first statement he makes the first saying from the cross jesus prays he prays for those who put him on the cross. And that's the Jews, the Jews and the Jewish religious leaders and the Romans. You can say the Jews and the Gentiles, the Jewish religious leaders who wanted to get him, wanted to bring him down, and the Romans who condemned him. And they carried out that uh, sentence on Jesus Christ. Now, isn't that interesting? He prays for them. He, he doesn't pray in, in the sense... He doesn't say, Father God, destroy them for what they've done for me. No, he doesn't do that. But he asks God what? To forgive them. Even as at the end of verse 34 says, the soldiers are casting lots. They're throwing dice. They're gambling for his clothes. Back then, the, the, the clothes were very valuable. And so they're, they're betting on his clothes, trying to win them. Not, not even having any compassion for Jesus who's hanging there. Crazy. Amazing. Even with all that going on. Jesus, his first statement is, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And that's with compassion. In other words, they don't realize, Jesus is saying, the full impact of their evil injustice. And what are they doing? They're murdering the Son of God. So in this first statement, this is what we see. Jesus prays for forgiveness and not for revenge or judgment. Isn't that amazing? Jesus prays for forgiveness upon them and not for revenge or judgment. So these are the words of forgiveness, that first saying from the cross. You know, I was thinking about how, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't, no one likes when injustice is done. And certainly huge injustices were done to Jesus. No one likes it when, when it's done to you or when it's unfair when things happen like that, you know. I don't like those movies where, you know, the hero dies right in the end. It's like, wait, that's a terrible movie. You know, we like the movies where in the end, yeah, they're struggling everything. they almost going to get killed. But then they turn around woohoo, and they get their revenge and the bad guy is gone. Right. He gets destroyed. We want them to win, not lose. We want our heroes to live, not die. We hate when injustice and cruelty is allowed to go on. But to forgive the unforgivable. 
What is that? There, that says much about Jesus, doesn't it? So this is the words of forgiveness, the first saying from the cross. Well, let's go on here to the words of assurance. Number two, the words of assurance. This is the second saying from the cross of the seventh. Now, go down to uh, Luke chapter 23 and skip down to verse 39 now. Verse 39. And we're going to be reading from verse 39 through verse 43 here. So uh, that's our section for this second scene. Uh, take a look with me here. Verse 39 it says, One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Uh, save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. How beautiful is that? Many of you heard that story. But here we have uh, the, the two thieves on the cross. Now they're talking. They're putting their effort into saying stuff towards Jesus here. But before that, what's happening is, is the people around who are watching all this happen at the foot of the cross, they begin to mock Jesus. Even the religious leaders who have come to spite him and to, to see him die on the cross and, you know, enjoy their win here, they began to mock Christ. Like they say, oh, you save others? Well, save yourself now. Even the soldiers who put Jesus on a cross, who know about, who've heard about, him all these, heard about him all these years, they mock him, say, oh, you're say a, you say you're a king, right? Well, where's your power now? Where's your power now? Do something then. And then one of the thieves on the side of him joins in in this mocking. And then he says basically the same thing. You say, hey, you, you know, you say you're the Christ. Aren't you Christ? Aren't you supposed to be the Messiah? then, hey, use your power then, basically he's saying, get down from the cross. So uh, um, uh, that everyone's starting to mock him and everything in that way. But then the other thief, interesting enough, the other thief basically says, don't you fear God here? Now that's interesting. It's different from the whole crowd in contrast. This thief recognizes Jesus as God. And that's important there. Recognizes Jesus in who he is. Then he says like, hey, you, you know, he turns to the thief and now he's telling him, hey, we're receiving the due reward of our, 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 our deeds, right? You know what that is? He's confessing his sin there. And then he says, this guy, Jesus, he's done nothing wrong. And so even more so, he sees Jesus and he believes in who Jesus is and with these words he turns to Jesus and he says he says Jesus remember me and you know what he's doing he's basically asking Jesus for grace and forgiveness like hey hey just if you can give me some mercy or you know forgive me just remember me and then he says when you come into your kingdom that's interesting so he believes that Jesus is going to go to heaven or maybe even believes he's going to go back to heaven because Jesus is the one who he claimed and said he would be. Perhaps a thief 
heard him preach and then hearing him preach and, and sharing about himself. So you see the thief on the cross, this one, one thief didn't believe, but the other thief did believe in the Lord Jesus. And what we see here is faith. So how did Jesus respond to this one thief who believed in Jesus? Did he say, sorry, too late, too bad, you're on a cross. I mean, if you, if you, if you would have come to me beforehand, maybe this could have been different. Or maybe you could have done some good things, you know, to counteract all the bad and thievery that you've done. No, Jesus saw his faith. Jesus saw his heart. Jesus acknowledged his faith and said, truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. In other words, your faith has saved you today. You know what? You're going to do more than die. You will go and live in heaven, and you're going to be living with me in heaven eternally. Isn't that amazing? So the second statement, the second statement is this. Jesus responds with confirming love to the thief's word of faith. Jesus responds with confirming love to the thief's word of faith. These are the words of assurance for this thief. I think about what it says in Acts chapter 2, 21, the last part of the verse says, Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you know what? Tonight, if you call upon the Lord, if you believe in Jesus being Lord, God, who came to this earth and died on a cross for your sins, if you believe that and he rose again from the dead, you know what? You call upon him in faith, you shall be saved. Understand that tonight we have that assurance no matter think about the thief all the wrong that he has done i mean he's he's been convicted condemned for his crime and now he's on the cross you would think that he'd lost all his chances to right his wrong well you know what? we cannot right our wrongs on our own we cannot only what jesus has done on the cross can save us and that's how this thief was saved so believe in Christ if you haven't already. All right, let's go on to the third saying. We've seen, number one, words of forgiveness. Number two, words of assurance. And the third saying of the seven sayings from the cross is words of compassion. Words of compassion. Now for this, we've got to turn over to the right to John chapter 19. John chapter 19. We're going to be seeing a little bit here. John chapter 19. We'll probably be going back and forth, so you can put a, a bookmark there in John 19, but we'll be coming back to Luke 23 in a moment. So words of compassion. Turn over to John chapter 19, and now take a look of, of verses 25 through 27. That's what we're going to cover here, 25 through 27. It says here, verse 25, John 19, But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to his disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her to his home. Now, here, in, while Jesus is, is hanging on the cross here, the next, the, the third uh, sayings from the cross concern his mother. 
Jesus saw his mother, Mary, her name we know, right, is standing there with some other women who followed Jesus, who who Jesus ministered to, like Mary Magdalene, or one of the other Marys was like the mother of one of the disciples. And it's funny, a lot of the women in the Bible here that followed Jesus was named Mary. So um, if your name is Mary, hey, you have a great name. No, but and yeah, <laughs> Mary Beth over here. That's right, I heard an amen over here. Anyway, so he sees his mother in the crowd at the foot of the cross. And so he he also sees the disciple whom he loved. And you know who that's talking about? That's John. That's how John describes himself in his gospel that he wrote in the book of John. He never mentioned his name. He just says, well, he mentioned himself when he writes about himself, the disciple whom Jesus loved, whom he loved. And I love that. He always looked at Jesus as, as the one who loved him. Anyway, so Jesus turns and, well, as much as he can, but speaks to his mother. And Jesus says, Women, which is we think today, what, why, why is he saying that? It's actually a term of respect there in a Jewish way. And so he turns to Mary and he says, behold, your son basically is motioning to John. And then Jesus turns to John and says, behold, your mother. And so what's going on here is Jesus called on John to take care of Mary, his mother, after he died, since he's dying on the cross. Now, this was a Jewish custom, the eldest son needs to take care of the mother especially when the father's passed away and we believe joseph isn't mentioned anymore so we believe his father joseph has passed away uh, long long before this so so jesus now calls on john in the jewish custom to take care of his mother being the eldest son uh, uh, you know next to his half brothers and sisters there so the third saying here is this. This is the point. Jesus' selfless concern for his mother made sure she would be okay even in the midst of his own pain and suffering. That's what I see here. And this is amazing. Jesus' selfless concern for his mother made sure she would be okay even in the midst of his own pain and suffering. So you see, these are words of compassion. He had compassion on his mother, compassion on others you could see going on here right here it wasn't he wasn't all focused on his own pain and suffering i don't know about you but you know when when i'm hurting when i'm suffering if i'm going through something oh my attention is on that pain and it's not on people around me and but here's jesus thinking about his mother right now i read about a young man who was trying to prove his love to his girlfriend and so he he told his girlfriend how he couldn't live he can't live without her and he would do anything for her he climbed the highest mountain he swim the deepest ocean he's he crossed the burning burning desert just to get to her and just to be with her well he had to go home and just before he he left to go home he said well i'll see you tomorrow that's if it doesn't rain <laughs> Well, a little convenience can stop our commitment with the Lord, but not Jesus. Our, a little inconvenience can stop our love and compassion for others, but not Jesus. Here's Jesus dying on a cross, and he had words of compassion for his mother. Well, let's go to number four now. The fourth saying is words of abandonment. In these seven saints from the cross, we see number one, words of forgiveness. Number two, words of assurance. Number three, words of compassion. And now, words of abandonment. Now, turn over 
uh, over all the way to Mark now. Mark chapter 15. We're going to go to Mark chapter 15. Turn to the left. We're going to go past Luke and then to Mark. If you hit Matthew, you went too far. You got to go back the other way to Mark. Mark chapter 15. And here we're going to see the fourth statement that Jesus said from the cross. And and again, let me just remind you as you're turning there, you know, isn't this amazing? Jesus is hanging there and suffering and in great pain. It's hard for him to breathe. And, you know, when we talk, we have to exhale. And that is so hard for him to do. All right. Here, Mark chapter 15, we're going to cover here verse 33 and 34 in this next saying. So verse 33 here. Uh, to verse 34 and it and we read here and when the sixth hour had come there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour and at the ninth hour jesus cried with a loud voice eloi eloi lama sabachthani which means my god my god why have you forsaken me now Remember, Jesus was put on the cross at 9 a.m., I had mentioned, right? And that is actually what the Jewish and Jewish timekeeping during the day is the third hour. See, zero hour to them is 6 a.m. sunrise. So three hours from that, 9 a.m. And so when we read here, it's the ninth or, or the sixth hour, sorry, the, the sixth hour, we add three hours to 9 a.m. What's that? 12 p.m. So he's been hanging there, right, from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. for three hours. And suddenly, this eerie darkness just starts to cover the land in the sixth hour here at 12 p.m. The whole land, it just starts to get dark. And you know what that darkness is? Many times that in the Bible represents judgment. And it's representing the judgment that is coming upon Jesus Christ as he bore our sins upon himself. Then at the ninth hour now, uh, if you add three more hours from six to, to nine, right? When is, what is that? That's 3 p.m. So at three o'clock in the afternoon, now he's been hanging since 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. There's six hours there. He's hanging on the cross in, 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 in this uh, limitless pain and continual pain going on and suffering going on. Well, at 3 p.m., he cries out. I, 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 I could just imagine just pushing up on the nails on his feet and pulling up on the nails in his wrists. And he's taking a breath. And as he goes down, he lets out and he cries out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which in the common language at that time, it's Aramaic. It means, and Mark gives us the meaning here, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, that's amazing statement. The Son of God, who came from heaven, the Father abandoning him. Don't we always tell you guys that, hey, don't worry, God will never leave you nor forsake you. But here is the second person in the Trinity crying out to the Father saying, why have you forsaken me? Now, why did he say that? Why did the Father God abandon him? Well, it was at this moment that Christ bore the brunt of the sin of the world. That's what was going on. Listen to this in Isaiah 53, 6, which prophesies that the Messiah would die for our sins. It says in Isaiah 53, 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. 
So it's 3 p.m. on that Friday that Jesus took the full brunt of the penalty of the judgment for our sins. That's what it means. That, that's what it means. He took upon his body all, all our sins. And he took the brunt. He took the hit. He paid the penalty at that moment when he was hanging on the cross and dying on the cross for our sins. So the fourth saying is this. Uh, the fourth saying is, is saying this, basically. It, it, this is the point. At that moment, the father turned his back on Jesus as he fully bore every sin every ever committed. Isn't that just an incredible thought? At that moment, the father turned his back on Jesus. He couldn't look. The Holy Father couldn't look on Jesus because he was bearing all of our sins, right? As he fully bore every sin every ever committed. And so the wrath of God was going upon him. And these are the words of abandonment. Now, can you imagine every sin now from the beginning of time, from the beginning of Adam and Eve's sin, all the way in, in, into the end of time, you could say, every sin pour, was poured out upon the sinless, spotless Lamb of God, Jesus. Second Corinthians 5.21, the Apostle Paul writes, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He bore the sin so that, that he can pay that penalty for us and die on a cross for our sins. I was just trying to think about this now. The thing, listen to this. I mean, every murder, every stabbing, every shooting, every beating, every robbery, every shoplifting, every scam, every lie, spoken every cheating uh, uh cheat adulteries fornication every abuse lust every angry act every curse word every uh, uh, bitterness in the heart every evil speaking every hate in the, in the heart every unjust unfair jealousy envy idolatry drugs every drunkenness that's ever happened every selfish ambition or disobedience every Every time a person is pride or gossips or slanders someone, every sinful thought or attitude every ever committed, that was put upon Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus did for you and for me. Listen to what Warren Wiersbe said. Jesus was forsaken by the Father that we might never be forsaken. He went through darkness that we might have light. He experienced terrible isolation and loneliness that we might never be left alone. So he understand what's going on here. That when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He took upon my sin, your sin, every sin. And there he died in our place, uh, paying the penalty for our sins. He gave himself for us. All right, let's go on to number five, the fifth saint from the cross, and that's words of suffering. Words of suffering. Turn back to John 19 now. John chapter 19. We're going to be here in the next two saints, five and six, but number five, words of suffering. Turn over to John 19, and now take a look at verse 8. 28, excuse me, verse 28 and 29. It says here, After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, uh, said, to fulfill the scriptures, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. 
So at this moment, Jesus knows that that his mission of redemption is is, is just about uh, 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 done here. And so he he says, uh, he knowing that's just about done, and to fulfill scripture, that is what was predicted in Psalm sixty nine twenty one. He says, "I thirst." Same thing was predicted there in in Psalm. And basically, on the side was this jar of sour wine. They call it. It was like cheap wine, more like a a vinegar cider type of thing that the soldiers would have around because it was cheap for them and they didn't get paid much. So the so one of the soldiers soaked the sponge, put it on a branch, a hyssop branch that was common around there, and he put it, held it up to Jesus's mouth for him to get. A, a little sip of su- uh, a way to moisten his lips and his mouth and his throat. And we know that in verse in the next verse, which we'll take a look at in a moment, he received it. In other words, he, 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 he probably took a little sip of it from this soaked sponge in order to, I think, wet his throat because he had a couple more or so statements to say. You know what? These two words, I thirst, we see something here in Jesus. We see that he really did suffer here. He suffered in his humanity as anyone would do on the cross. And so I'll tell you, Jesus did suffer here. So Jesus can personally relate to any of our sufferings. I mean, he went through far worse than we have ever been. So he can relate to anything you're going through. So know that Jesus is really suffering here. We see this when he says, I thirst. So in this fifth saying, Jesus showed that he suffered in obedience to the plan of salvation. So we know he really suffered, but he is also obedient all the way. It wasn't like, uh, okay, I'll go through this, you know, I'll be fine. I'm God, so I can take it. No, he was fully human, so, and he gave himself over in that way to suffer in that way. And he didn't stop here. It shows in his humanity he suffered and he did not stop. So Jesus showed that he suffered in obedience to the plan of salvation. In these words, I thirst the words of suffering. You know, in Mark 26, when they came to arrest him in the Garden of Gethsemane, and, and um, he, he, after a little kerfuffle here, he, because Peter tried to defend him, remember cutting the, the ear off, the 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 priest servant uh, uh, person and Jesus had to heal and then uh, Jesus explains to Peter you know in trying to defend him that you know Peter you don't understand I could have called twelve legions of angels to come and help me uh, we know in um, that one angel in Old Testament destroyed a hundred that's one angel destroyed hundred eighty five thousand Assyrians so uh, just imagine what a whole legion you know a whole army of angels could have done. Jesus said, hey, I could have called on them. In John chapter 18, when Jesus, uh, when they, uh, John tells us in the same time when uh, he gives us another thing that happened when they came to arrest him in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, When they came to him, Jesus asked them, who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said, I am he. And all of a sudden, everyone fell down to the ground. You see, Jesus could have easily stopped all this jesus could have any any point along the way he could have he could said that's it get down off the cross you 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 you're gone he could have easily just put an end to all of this but he suffered in obedience to the plan of salvation that the father said in plan he suffered all the way to the end to purchase our salvation 
So we see all of this in these words of suffering. Let's go on to number six here. Number six, words of accomplishment. In the seven saints from the cross, we've seen now, number one, words of forgiveness, words of assurance, words of compassion, words of abandonment, words of suffering. And now we see words of accomplishment. Take a look here, John 19 still. Now look at verse 30, verse 30, the very next verse. It says here, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Okay, this is very important. Uh, this verse here in John 19.30 is very important because after he received the sour wine, like he had to wet his throat, he needed to say some important things here. And so he, here he said these incredible words. It is finished. What is finished here? You know what's finished? His mission. He has taken on the sins of the world. The judgment has fallen upon him. He's just about to die here. And he's, he's, he has paid the penalty through his suffering and all. And then his death. But he's saying, it is finished. He's right there at the edge, at the door that and he want, needed to say this. That it is finished. His mission is complete. He's purchased a salvation for our sins. But not only that. You know what's finished? It's Satan's power over people satan cannot hold people and condemn them hold them over because of their sin and say you're you'll never go to heaven because you're a sinner now that jesus had paid the price done the work on the cross satan has no power in that way again over people and the victory has been won like like we sang just earlier here and then also as i mentioned what is finished is the penalty of that sin has been paid now. Jesus paid that debt, right? It's been said. Jesus paid a debt he did not owe because we owed a debt we could not pay. And Jesus had done this. So when he says it is finished, he means it is finished. You know what's interesting? The word finish is the, the Greek word tetelestai. And they would actually stamp that word on like, in business transactions or, or, or if you were like buying something with payments and then on the last invoice, they would just, you know, stamp that or write tetelestai on it. And tetelestai means finish or complete or accomplished. So here's Jesus crying out right here. And in, in the second, the last thing he's going to say, he says, it is finished. So in the sixth saying, Jesus completed his mission to die for our sins and make salvation possible. Jesus completed his mission to die for our sins and make salvation possible. This is the words of accomplishment. I remember this story about this evangelist, E. Wooden. He was packing up after a whole week of every daily uh, outreaches. And this young man ran in while he's cleaning up. And he was desperate. You could see it on his face. And he, he came up to, to Wooden and said, what must I do to be saved? Well, Wooden said, it's too late. And the young man goes, what, wait, wait, what, what, what do you mean? What do you mean am I late? There, isn't there anything you could do? Isn't there anything you can say? Isn't there anything you, you could do for me? Well, Wooden said, you are 2,000 years too late. See, the work of salvation has been done on the cross. And Wooden told the young man, it is finished. And then he said, the only thing you can do is believe. And that's what it's about. 
to believe in the work of Christ and what he's done. We cannot do it on our own. But what Christ has done, it is finished. You know what happens when we try and add things and think that, well, well, okay, Jesus died on the cross, but maybe if I do this, it'll help. You know, you're, you're saying, well, maybe what Christ did wasn't enough then. But what we see here right out of his own mouth, it is finished. It's accomplished. It's complete. It's done, Paul. All right, number seven, our last uh, uh, sayings on the cross is words of confidence. Words of confidence. So seven sayings from the cross, words of forgiveness, assurance, compassion, abandonment, suffering, accomplishment. And number seven now, the last one, words of confidence. So turn now, turn back now to Luke chapter 23. Luke 23. And uh, where did I go here I am. <laughs> Luke 23, and we're going to look at verse 46. Verse 46. Then it says here, uh, verse 46, Luke 23, Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. So Luke gives us a, a little more detail here before he died. Jesus, from what John wrote. Now Jesus called out, he said, Father God, he says, into your hands, I commit my spirit. In other words, here I am. I now offer my life up to you. I will, will literally give my life over to die now. And then Jesus breathed his last. Jesus, Jesus didn't say, Father, they're killing me. Father, uh, they did this to me. Father, it's this crucifixion and I'm dying here. No, Jesus willingly made the choice to give up his spirit to die here on the cross at that moment. You remember, uh, they were surprised that Jesus had died already. Usually a crucifixion is supposed to last for days and days and days. And if you remember how the story goes, that um, Passover is coming. So the Jews went to Pilate, hey, Passover is coming. You can't have this. Okay, so the, the soldiers went and, you know, took the spear or, or went to break their legs, actually, so that then they would suffocate. They can't push themselves up, and then they would die right away. Uh, Jesus found him. Jesus was already dead. They wanted to make sure and took the spear and, and poked him, and, and I believe it went up into his heart, and then up out came water and blood. But So Jesus willingly gave up his life. He willingly chose right at this moment to give up his spirit, and he committed his spirit into his father's hand. Now the word commit means deposit. So the idea is Jesus entrusted his spirit into the care of the father and he trusted the father to receive him. In other words, he knew he had accomplished his mission. He knew he had paid the price and now the father will welcome him in in everything that Jesus did uh, doing the will of the father. So the last saying of Jesus here is Jesus willingly gave up his life into the care of the Father at death. Jesus willingly gave up his life into the care of the Father at death. And these are the words of confidence. You know, I read about how a tribe in Africa, when a believer dies, they, they do not say he departed or she departed. You know what they say? For a Christian, they say he arrived or she arrived and that's the idea here jesus went into the father's arms so you see here as we close words of forgiveness words of assurance words of compassion words of abandonment words of suffering words of accomplish words of confidence 
They all speak of Christ and who he is and what he's done. They speak of his loving sacrifice that he made when he died on the cross for you and I, for our sins. Do you see that now? Are you willing to give your life to Jesus to be forgiven, to be cleansed, to be given new life, to, 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 ha to be able to have a new life? That's, that's how we can change our life. It's through Christ. That's how we can live again. It's through his death. That's how we can be free from our guilt and our sin because Christ died on the cross. And you know what? This is not the end of the story because on Sunday we finish the story when he rises again. And we can have victory in our life over our guilt, over our sin. Now, because of Jesus Christ and what he did, dying and rising, on, uh, rising from the grave. So, we have a future with Jesus. You know, no matter what you're going through, even in this whole virus crisis, and no matter what's happening, you can be assured that as you commit your life to the Father, to God, that He will take care of you. And we even have this future in the eternal heaven. And remember, in all this, what He said, don't forget that all of this was done because his love for because of his love for you and for me he died because he loves you he died and gave himself as a sacrifice because he wants to have a relationship with you and this shows his his love and grace toward us and 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 this is this is something that none of us could could even even uh think that anyone would do for us you know he did more than ever expected and in doing more than ever expected he's really showing us his love i'll close with this story when a keiki church teacher asked the class what's the difference between kindness and loving kindness uh, one little girl told the teacher that kindness is when you ask your mother for some toast and butter she gives it to you but loving kindness is when you ask your mother for some toast and she gives it to you with butter and jelly on it and that's what christ did that's what jesus has done jesus has done more than we could ever expect this is who jesus is this is the one who loves you and we find all this in the seven sayings from the cross pray with me lord as we uh, bow our heads and close our eyes right now we we want to honor you god as we are about to move into this time of communion, remembering what you've done on the cross, Lord, thank you for what you've done. And I ask God that uh, you would move upon our hearts. If there's anyone out there right now who's listening in and who's watching and who, who's joined us and has never, ever really accepted Jesus into their heart, Lord, I pray for them right now. Uh, I pray that you would save them, that they would cry out, Lord, to you like the thief on the cross, that they would believe in you and who you are, that they would believe in what the work you, that you have done on the cross, and that you would forgive them, cleanse them, and give them that new life and fill them with your Holy Spirit as they surrender their heart to you. Listen, as your eyes are closed, if, if you're out there and, and you've never accepted Christ, or maybe you're, you've joined us and, and you have wandered away from Christ for a while and you've been backslidden, but you, you know you've got to recommit your life to him right now. Perhaps you're, you're in fear of, of, of your 
your own life right now with this virus going on and it's just filling you with fear you don't know about your future you don't know if if you were to to uh, con uh get this disease that this virus that maybe you might die and you're not sure about going to heaven well i want you to pray this prayer with me right now i want you to repeat after me just say these words from your heart and jesus will come and save you repeat after me Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Forgive me for my sins and cleanse me right now. Thank you for the cross because it says that you love me. You are Lord. You are my Savior. And I surrender my life to you. And as I give my life to you, fill me with your Holy Spirit and give me new life in you. In Jesus' name, amen.